Hosea chapter number 14. Our kids are ready. Your teachers are waiting for you. Uh, our bridge kids, this is our ministry to elementary age students, grades K through 5, where we have an age-appropriate lesson for our students. So they are dismissed at this time. Hosea chapter number 14. I'll read the entirety of the chapter. Hosea chapter number 14. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version for your convenience. It's also on the screen. Here is how thus reads the word of the Lord. Verse 1 of Hosea chapter number 14. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity, accept what is good, and we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, and we will say no more, our God, to the work of our hands. In you, the orphan finds mercy. I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall root like the trees of Lebanon. His shoots shall spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive and his fragrance like Lebanon. They shall return and dwell beneath my shadow. They shall flourish like the grain. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fame shall be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress. From me comes your fruit. Whoever is wise. Let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. This is the word of the Lord. We've been walking through the book of Hosea, over several weeks now, we now come to our final sermon and study in this book of Hosea. For those of you who were not here for the call to worship, this Sunday in particular is Orphan Sunday. It is the Sunday that we stand up for those who are in need of adoption for children, who are in the foster care or in need, and are in need of forever homes. We remember today that it is our responsibility, our duty, and our privilege to participate in God's kingdom program in loving the orphan. 
we said that James chapter 1, verse 27 exhorts us that true and undefiled religion is cared for to visit the widow and the orphan in their distress. That's not good advice. That is the word of the Lord. Unfortunately, the church has become complacent and maybe even complicit in the overcrowding of orphanages and in the foster care system. What I've just given you from Scripture is a motivation to be involved in orphan care based on obligation, duty, law. But for those of us who are people of the New Covenant, New Testament church, we don't want just a law motivation. We need a gospel motivation. And I actually believe Hosea is going to help us find that this morning. This is a very simple chapter. He, 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 he gives us three points to look at this morning. He gives us a plan for repentance. He gives us the promise for repentance. And then he gives us a prudent response. Let's look at these together. Look with me, first of all, at the plan of repentance. Hosea chapter 14 Verses 1 through 3. We realize from the outside, from, from the onset, verse 1, what the theme and aim of this passage is. Here it is. Return. O Israel, to the Lord your God. The theme of this chapter is repentance. The aim is to call the people of Israel to turn back to God. This means that they are to turn from their idolatry and idolatrous ways and idols and turn to the Lord. To repent, church, is to shift one's loyalties. It is to change one's allegiance. And what we learn in the book of Hosea is that Israel was an unfaithful covenant partner. She had turned away from the Lord who was her true partner and turned to other lovers. Israel had turned away from her first love and gone after other lovers where she thought she could get her needs fulfilled quickly. And this idolatry led to immorality. That's why the text says in verse number one, they are returned because they stumbled in their iniquity. The problem was sin. And this sin had to be dealt with and the curse of sin had to be removed if they wanted a restored relationship with God. 
And the rest of this section deals with the plan of repentance, verses 1 through 3, or the components of repentance. Let's look at it together. The first step in repentance for the people of Israel was acknowledgement of sin. I'm in the text. I'm not making this up. Verse 2, take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity. They are to confess their sins. They are to agree with God that they are sinners and that they have sinned. Friends, the first step in renewing any relationship is a humble admission of one's faults. Uh, somebody, some, some spouse needs to hear that this morning. The first step in renewing any relationship is a humble admission of one's faults. The other spouse needs to hear this. The first step in renewing any relationship is a humble admission of one's faults. Some child needs to hear this. The first step in renewing any relationship is a humble admission of one's faults. Some parent needs to hear this. The first step in renewing any relationship is a humble admission of one's faults. Some friend needs to hear this. Confess your sin. That's the first step in repentance. You are to confess your sin before holy God and any of your brother or sisters you have offended as well. He says, confess your sins. Now, after they confess their sin, they are to pray for pardon. That's why he says, we, they say take away all iniquities, so they confess that they have committed iniquities, but they also ask him to take it away. For we, we ask God specifically to forgive our sin. And friends, all of us in here today stand in need of forgiveness. After forgiveness, they are to pledge to forsake all objects of false faith. So there's this request for pardon, but then there's this also a renouncing of sin. Look at the text. Verse 3. Assyria shall not save us. Remember, Israel continually looked to foreign nations for deliverance, for rescue. For salvation. And so now they are renouncing this sin of seeking salvation in other nations. And like Israel, we too must renounce our sin. Friends, you cannot have the experience of forgiveness and the pleasure of sin at the same time. 
To repent is to turn away. You turn away from this sin that so easily besets you, and you say, now I'm turning to your way, God, the holy way. I think for us today, the way we confess our sin of looking to Assyria is that we confess that we oftentimes look to our political parties and leaders to save us. Friends, this is a call to abandon faith in political power and political alliances. If there's one thing our politicians have, have showed us and taught us, is they can, we cannot put our hope in them. They will fail us on both sides of the aisle. Equal opportunity here. They will fail us. So our, our hope cannot be put in him. We cannot look to the world for our hope when the world is the problem. Assyria shall not save us. I hope, I really do hope you voted on this past Tuesday. That's one way we affect gospel change in our society. That's the mo one of the ways we do it. Not the way, but one of the ways we do it. But we cannot put our hope in our vote. We cannot put our hope in our politicians and then show up on Sunday morning and talk about our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You can't have it both ways. They renounce this sin of putting their hope in political power. But not only that, look at the second line of verse 3. The zero shall not say, we will not ride on horses. And my wife is thinking, I love horseback riding. What's wrong with that? Well, that's what horsemen rode on in the time of war. Horses were used during times of warfare. And they were obsessed with military power in order to overcome their enemies. And so I think what this teaches us is that we are to forsake putting any confidence and strength in our own flesh. Then thirdly, in this renouncing of sin, Israel repents of idolatry. Look at verse 3 again. We will say no more, our God, to the work of our hands. This was a forsaking of carved images and idols. They were no longer going to serve idol gods. And friends, just like Israel, we need to leave behind the, a worldview that contradicts biblical faith. In summary, all of these renouncing of sins are about forsaking everything else upon which one might depend. It is putting all of our trust and confidence in God and God alone in nobody or nothing else. 
God alone is to be our strength. God alone is to be our hope. And God alone deserves our loyalty. The final line of verse 3 is the linchpin of this entire chapter. And here's what it says. In you, the orphan finds mercy. Okay, I see it. The reason only one person is saying something right now, besides her talking all the time, is that you've forgotten chapter one. Remember, to this marriage of Hosea and Gomer were born three children. The last child that was born, his name was to be called Lo-Ami, which means not my people. As a nation, Israel had become an orphan. They were fatherless. And now Israel was to become aware that they were an orphan. And they came to the realization that mercy or compassion could only be found in the Lord. Not in Baal, but only the Lord. Only the Lord was the true father. And friends... This is not just Israel's reality. This is ours as well. Without Christ, we are all spiritual orphans. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3 says, by nature. This is a part of what you are born with, by the way. Here's what the Bible says about us. By nature, we were children of wrath like the rest of mankind. All men are by nature spiritual orphans. You were born in sin, shaping in iniquity. By birth, we are not his people. By birth, we are called low on me. That is our name without Christ, low on me. But the good news is that by grace, the orphan can find mercy. Okay, let me give you some more Bible. Here's what the Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. But when the fullness of of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption. There it is, as sons. And friends, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. And let me tell you, God loves to hear his children call him father. There are days, y'all, I keep little all to myself on Mondays and Fridays, and there are days where she works my very last nerve. (laughs) But there's a way that when she looks to me and she says, Daddy, Daddy, I forget all the stuff that I'm frustrated with her about. And I just go to her and I pick her up. Yeah, baby, what is it? What, what, what do you need? What is, and she, guess what? She gets it. And, 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 and what has happened is God says, y'all are lily. As much as you frustrate me, you are unfaithful at times. You are uncommitted at times. You are lazy at times. He still sends to us this spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. 
And we are adopted as sons. So friends, the Apostle Paul comes to this conclusion, so you are no longer a slave, <laughs> but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. I'm no longer a slave. I am a child of God. Slaves had no rights. They had no inheritance. But friends, that's not us. We are not slaves. We are sons. We have the right to be children of God. And because we are children in God, we have an eternal inheritance that will never perish. Friends, the good news on this Sunday morning, for those who trust in Jesus Christ, you are no longer an orphan. You have found mercy in the Lord your God by faith in Christ. We are sons and daughters of God. The only way to avert God's wrath is by faith in the Son of God and his finished work on the cross. And here's the truth. The bad news, if you are not trusting in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, you are a spiritual orphan. You stand in need of a loving father. Now, I had to think about that for a moment. I had to read that really close. I had to rewrite it, actually, because I wanted to say that if you are not trusting in Jesus Christ alone, for salvation, you are fatherless. But then I remembered some words that Jesus said to the Pharisees. He said, when they were speaking and acting against him, he said, you are of your father, the devil. You go to 1 John, and 1 John says you are either a child of God or you are a child of the devil. So everybody then has a father. You are, God is your father or either the devil is your father. One is loving, one is hateful. His aim is to kill, steal, and destroy. He is a liar and the truth is not in him. You can divorce that father. Take all your trust out of him and put it into Jesus Christ. And God says, you are now my child. In him you will find love, peace, happiness, joy. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, but to all who did receive him, that's Jesus Christ, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Hear the text, friends. But to all who did receive him, that's Jesus Christ, who believed in his name, That's exclusive. This is an exclusive family. I've told you this before, but I want to make sure you get it. Don't believe the lie that all people are God's children. Don't believe the lie that we all have the same father. That's a lie. We are all God's creation, but we are not all God's children. The Bible says 
to all who did receive him who believed in his name. Those are the conditions for those who are children of God. You are not a child of God by birth, not physical birth. In order to be a child of God, you got to be born again. And friends, we are adopted into the family of God. J.R. Packer says, if you want to believe, if you want to see if anybody really understands Christianity, see how much they understand. And love the fact that God is their father. That's why we pray our father who art in heaven. He is our father. We are his children. But because we are adopted people, here my turn, we ought to have a softened heart towards those who are in need of adoption. Ooh, y'all got quiet on me. Because we have been adopted into the family of God, we should be people who have a softened heart towards those who are orphans. There are children in need of families. It is because of the gospel mm, that we ought to be involved in some way in orphan care. Get this. I'm not trying to guilt you into being involved in foster care. I'm trying to show you that it's out of grace that you ought to be involved in foster care. This is the gospel. We were spiritual orphans. God didn't have to come and adopt us into his family, but he did. Out of all of his grace, he did all the work, matter of fact. I wanted to save this for an actual sermon, but the Spirit is saying, you can push here because y'all are so quiet on me. Now, what I'm about to say is strong language. Not language, but it's a strong statement. And I'm going to push at some of my favorite people, y'all. Some of the reasons, one of the reasons that some of us don't get involved in foster care and in adoption is we don't want to make our families we, we, we don't want to put our families through any kind of emotional heartbreak. It, there was a point in time where we were not sure, sure Lily was coming back home. And there was this darkness over our home. It broke. It, my daughter, Brianna, cried every day. Now, her and Lily fight every day. <laughs> yes, a 10-year-old and a 1-year-old fight. <laughs> I promise you. But she cried every day. It was heartbreaking. And some of us have said, I don't want to put myself or my family through that. 
friends, this is not about us. It's not about us protecting our hearts. Think about it. How often do you break God's heart and yet he still adopted you? Because of the gospel, we take ourselves out of this. The gospel is all about self-denial. And when you think about the reasons when you say, I will not be involved, or I just cannot be involved in orphan care, think about how much is it about you and your family. Listen, orphan uh, care, uh, being involved in the foster care system, it is a great risk. It is a great risk. So don't, don't hear me trying to minimize that. I, I, it is a great risk, and it's very possible that your heart may be broken. But God will still be pleased. Those children, for however long they are in your home, get a seed of the gospel. Now, am I, do I want everybody out here to, to run out of here and just sign up to be uh, uh, foster care families? Yes, but, <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. But remember, I, we've showed you before, I, I should have put this up. I, we've showed you before this circle of care of how you can be involved in foster care. If you are not for whatever reason, there may be really good reasons why you cannot bring a child into your home. There are some children that cannot come into my home because Connie and I do not have the uh, training adequate enough to handle kids that need uh, intense care. So there will be reasons why you may not be able to bring kids into your home, but you can partner with families who are bringing the kids into your home. And I think God will still be glorified through that. You all have shown me what, what love looks like when it comes to foster care and, and respite care and what have you. People have just come and brought cans of formula, have come and brought clothes and, and, and helped with child care and, what, and, and, and paying for child care and all these different things. And we say thank you from the bottom of our heart. That's how you can be involved. If you ever want to babysit, Your kids ain't orphans. <laughs> Them all yours. <laughs> yeah. If we need to have a talk about this after service, let me know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, y'all real fruitful. Mm. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. I don't even know where I was now. Oh, Lord. It is because of the gospel that the church should be the leaders in providing homes for orphans, funding for orphanages, and involved in the foster care. I've told you time and time before, if the church would just stand up, and not just the bridge, but every church who stands open in the name of Jesus Christ, all social workers would be looking for a job right now, a new profession actually. If we just did our job, 
If we understood the depth of the gospel, what God our Father did to adopt us into his family, do you know what God did so that you could be adopted into his family? He sent his own son. You think about your own, giving up your own children so that other people can come be a part of your family. God took his own son, born of a woman, let him live in a world that will be hateful towards him, that will lie on him, that will treat him like he's the worst of criminals. God did this. God allowed his son, his one and only son, to go to a cross with nails in his hand, a crown of thorns on his head. They will spit on him. They will beat on him. Flesh would come out of his body. He would bleed. He, 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 all these things, he allowed his son to die so that you could be adopted into his family. What's a little heartbreak? to such extreme lengths that his own son sat up on the, cro- on the cross and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me so that those could be a part of my family, son? The gospel is the reason we are involved with orphans. The gospel is the reason we take time out for a whole Sunday to emphasize this, this, this issue, this gospel issue, this pro-life issue. The gospel is the reason. How hypocritical of us if we fight tooth and nail to get them into the world and then just leave them there to fend for themselves. I could go on and on and on. Let's look. That's the plan. Look at the promise, and I'll be done. God says, I'm going to cut across the field here. I will heal their apostasy. This is, this is God's promises for the repentant. Now, here's the thing about this word apostasy. It means to turn away from God. This whole passage is about turning. God says, I myself will heal you of the turning away from me that you have committed. Notice that they don't heal themselves. God heals them. Their healing from this terminal disease, sin, was not found in human strength. They needed divine intervention to be delivered of their apostasy. On their own, they were unable to turn to God on their own. Just last week, we heard in Hosea chapter 11, verse 7, God says, my people are bent on turning away from me. That is our nature. They are unable to turn to God on their own. So God says, I'll heal you. Friends, we are in the same condition. Without divine intervention, we will not turn to God. God says, I will divinely intervene and provide the healing necessary for your soul's disease. He says, not only will I heal them of their disease, but I will love them freely, for my anger has turned from them. All right, here we go again. Remember, the second child 
born to Hosea, and Gomer was named Loruhamah, which means no mercy. Some have said that it actually means not loved. Because God would, he said, I will not forgive Israel for her sin. But now God says, when you repent, you will be loved freely. The love of God will come at no cost to you. You will not have to earn God's love. You will not have to merit God's love. It's going to come freely. And friends, this is nothing but sure grace. Amazing grace. The rest of the passage is about prosperity and flourishing and wealth and refreshment that will come to Israel because they turned away from their evil ways. Finally, we look at the plan of repentance, the promise for repentance, but look at this prudent response. This is verse 9, is the summary of the entire book. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them. But transgressors stumble in them. Here's the prudent response. You can either walk or you can stumble. Understand it. Know that it's not easy. It requires wisdom. You can walk upright or you can fall down. There are two ways. The way of loyalty, chesed, or the way of disloyalty. The key is submission. Worship team, you can come back. How will you respond to this God who comes after you even when you've turned to other lovers This God who is relentless in pursuing you, even in the wilderness. The gospel always calls for a response. For some, the response today is, I've been trusting in all these people, all these things. So the response for you today is to turn from that, repent, and turn totally to God through Jesus Christ and him alone. First, there must be acknowledgement of sin. I am a sinner. And as a result of that sin, I deserve eternal separation from God in hell. Acknowledgement of sin. And you must turn 
now to God by believing that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died your death, became your substitute, took your penalty, your death penalty. So that you would not have eternal death, but have eternal life. So that you can become now a child of God. Leave your father the devil and receive by faith your adoption as a child of God. For some of us in here, we've believed we are saved and we know we are saved. But like Israel, we have left our first love. We have gone the way of chasing after security and satisfaction in this world. Through government, through money, through relationships. And God is saying to you today, return. Come home. I've shown you the way home. Acknowledge your sinfulness. Renounce sin. Return. And now God says to us today, it takes wisdom, which that has to come from God as well. But you have to walk upright. Loyalty demands obedience. Some of us today's response for us today is to acknowledge I haven't been completely loyal and faithful to God. The response is I'm, I'm disloyal God and I'm going to confess that. I'm going to acknowledge that. And God, I'm going to turn from my disloyal ways as a result of the word that you have sent to, to, today. And God, I'm, I, I'm turning from disloyalty and I'm going to be exclusively loyal to you. I'm leaving all my other lovers of security, comfort, protecting my heart. And I'm going to deny myself because that's what loyalty looks like in the kingdom of God. I'm going to take up my cross daily and die to my flesh and live by the Spirit. Friends, it is because of Christ that we now are children of God We've emphasized his death. But if he had not risen from the grave with all power, he would have just been another martyr. But the good news about the gospel is that Jesus didn't stay dead. But bright early Sunday morning, he rose with all power in his, head, in his hand. And here's the thing. He didn't get himself up. His father got him up from the grave. That's how powerful he is. And in getting up Christ from the grave and raising Christ up from the grave, God says, I accept your sacrifice. It is paid in full. 
for those who believe and receive my son. Hallelujah. Christ has won the victory over sin, Satan, and death. Let us proclaim together that victory. Stand to your feet.